Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Miracles, Now We Can See, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on September 18th, 2016. Uh, you were given a, a little playing card. I want you to go ahead and grab that playing card and uh, pull that out, take a look at it. Did everybody get one? All right, I hope you did. All right, so as you walked in this morning, you were probably wondering why you were given this card, right? A lot of questions I could actually hear as John was giving them to you, people asking, what's this for? I want to ask you this question. What came to mind when you looked at that card? Man, I don't know what card was given to you. It was very random, the cards that were given. And some of you got maybe a, a very low card, you know, a two. Uh, some of you may have gotten a, a face card. Uh, some of you may have gotten a joker because there's some jokers in the deck, right? Get it? Jokers in the deck? Deck? All right. It wasn't a good one. I'm sorry. I tried. E for effort. But you were probably thinking to yourself, wow, this is a great card. And if we're playing a game this morning, you know, I might just win because it's a high card. And others thought to yourself, maybe, possibly, well, I just got a two or three. So if we're playing a game this morning, I probably won't win. I'll probably lose. See, what happens in this life is that we're all dealt a hand. God has given us cards to play. And we don't get to choose those cards. See, I I don't get to choose if I'm tall. I don't get to choose if I'm Hispanic. I don't get to choose my mom and dad. I don't get to choose a lot of things in this life. And you and I, we're, we're, we're one and the same in that way. There's a lot of things that we don't get to choose. We've been given a hand to play by God and the cards are dealt out. So this morning, as we look and continue in our series, The Miracles, we're gonna look at John chapter nine. So if you would grab your Bibles and mark your place there, we're gonna look at this miracle that Jesus did in this life of a blind man. A guy that was born blind. See, he was given a card. He was dealt a hand. And Jesus used that hand to do some great things in this man's life. And I believe that he has shown us this and given us this so that we can see that the hand that we've been dealt, God wants to do and use it for a specific purpose. Well, this morning... I want to share with you the hand that I've been dealt. If you look up on the screen here, one of the cards that I've been dealt in my life is that I had a father who didn't show love. We never heard the the word love come from my father's mouth. I I don't remember a moment when my dad hugged me affectionately and and said, son, I, I love you. And because of that, that that affected my life in a way that created in me a a person and an individual that grew up very angry. See, I'm not saying my dad's at fault for that anger because I'm responsible for my own responses. But I'm saying that's the card that I was dealt. Another card that I was given in this life so far is that my father died way too soon. And you probably ask yourself, well, when is way too soon? Well, for me, it was at the age of about 20 years old. And I I had just gotten married. 
And I believe my spiritual journey was just at the beginning. My dad, actually, before he passed away, prayed with my mom to receive Christ in his life. And so in my mind, I thought, my dad, he's gone. I've been robbed of something here. God, why did you take my dad so soon? Here's an opportunity now for him and I to to grow together and discover things that you'd have for us. And I'll tell you, I, I wrestled with that for 10 years. I struggled internally with some things because of the, the card that I was dealt. And honestly, I, I felt robbed. Even to the degree that, that when I saw people at, at the store, a father and a son, um, I got jealous. I got angry. And I said, God, why, why don't I get that? You know, things seem to have been just turning for the better. Why, why, did, I, why did my dad go so soon? Well, some other cards that I, I was dealt in this life so far is, is uh, I've got an ace of hearts. God, God has given me a, a wonderful marriage. I'll, I'll tell you right now, and forgive me if this sounds prideful, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've got the best marriage out there. And, and simply because my wife loves me. She shows me love on a daily basis. And that love comes when I'm, when I'm arrogant. That love comes when I'm prideful. That, that love comes when I'm annoying. And I'll tell you, I do get annoying every now and then. <laughs> I just tell her, you know, it's part of my requirements as a husband to fulfill every, you know, thing in their life, you know. So occasionally we have to be annoying, right, man? But God has given me an ace. And I, I, will, I say I have a, a great marriage, but we've worked in that marriage. You know, we've, we've learned how to fight. We've learned how to wrestle through hard moments emotionally, physically, externally. But I have a great marriage. Another card that I've been dealt in this lifetime is that I have two wonderful children. You know, these are my high cards right here. These are the things that I want to put out at the forefront that I want to tell everybody that I encounter. Hey, you know, I've got a wonderful family. See, it's those, those low cards that I tend to seem to kind of hide and, and push away. Because I don't want people to see the struggles that sometimes that I face. I don't want people to see the, the arrogance or maybe the pride that comes in when I get jealous or I get insecure and when I respond in ways that I really shouldn't respond. See, these are just a few of, of the cards that I've been dealt you know, I've tried to exchange those cards throughout my lifetime and, and uh, it doesn't always work. You know, I've tried to play this hand that God has given me the best that I can and, and there are times when I just, I just lose. I fail. But I want to ask you this this morning. Have you ever asked yourself the question, when you think about the cards that you've been dealt, have you ever asked yourself the question simply, why me? I think you have. I know I have. I've been, there's been many, many moments in my life, even in recent days when I say, God, why me? Why this moment? Why this? And I have to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know that, that you're going to get that answer in this lifetime. I, I really don't know. I can't stand up here and honestly stand before you and say, well, God is going to answer that why me question for you. Because I don't know if, if you'll get that answered in this lifetime. 
But I can stand before you and tell you that there's a God that loves you and cares deeply for you. And the hand that you've been dealt, the cards that you hold right now at this moment were given to you for a purpose. And this purpose is greater than anything that we could imagine, anything that we can think about. This morning in our passage, we're going to see Jesus do a a tremendous miracle. We're going to see Jesus do some things that would probably blow us away if we were right there watching it. But I think there's some pieces of this passage that we might miss. And so I really want to focus on these few verses this morning in the hopes that we grasp exactly what Jesus is trying to do here in this moment. See, the reality is that that we will all face hard times in this life. We'll have emotional, we'll have relational, we'll have spiritual battles, we'll have struggles in this lifetime. There is no question. See, but the important thing is, how will we work through these moments? See, we have a choice in those moments. Will we respond in a healthy way or will we respond in an unhealthy way? See, when my my dad died, I had never lost someone close to me. Death really wasn't an issue. Death wasn't something that I thought about often. I was only 20 years old. My life was just beginning. Who thinks about death when you're a teenager? You see it happen and you watch it go on around you, but it really doesn't touch us until it touches us, right? See, I had an opportunity to respond in these moments. And unfortunately, I I responded poorly a lot. But by the grace of God, by the hand of God, he helped me to wrestle through those moments. He helped me to, to respond in a way that honored him. And I have yet just to begin to honor him. And I know God has so much more for me in these things. And it really just simply comes down to one simple word for me. And it's obedience. Am I, be, am I willing to be obedient in playing and using the hand that I've been dealt? Well, before we read our passage, will you pray with me? Father, we love you. And there is no question that you love us. Lord, this morning we're, we're sitting with these cards You've given us this hand. And Lord, we, we just, we just want to trust that, that, that there's a purpose behind it. Even though in this very moment, we do not understand that purpose. Even in this moment, as we come into your presence, that we're just, might be clouded and, and, and things might be foggy. And there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. Father, we want to see this morning. Father, we want you to open our eyes and help us to see clearly this morning. So Father, I I pray, I pray this morning as we read your word that your spirit would speak to us, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds and open our eyes. Just as we sang a song just a minute ago, I was blind, but now I see that we would go away from here with our eyes open and we would see more clearly 
all the things that you desire for us. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you for the things that you have shared with us, these miracles. Lord, this morning we trust and believe that you've given them to us with a purpose. And Lord, we want to be obedient. Give us the strength. Give us the power. Control us with your spirit and guide us every step of the way. We love you and we praise you. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Let's read these together. It says here, As he passed, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered them. He said, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. This morning, I want to apply what Jesus is teaching us here. How we can find peace in knowing that the cards that we have been given have been given to us with a purpose. See, the first thing that I see here, the thing I think Jesus is trying to teach us and his disciples is that God does not make mistakes. The first three verses, it says that Jesus passes by this man. He is blind from birth. So we have to understand there in this context, in this time, that this man was an outcast because he was born broken. He was born without. So he was looked upon and shunned because of his disability. It's not something that happened later in life through a tragic accident or anything like that. It was the card that Jesus gave him. And so his questions, they ask, his disciples, excuse me, they ask him a question and they say, Rabbi, who has sinned? Was it this man? Or what, was it his parents? Whose fault is it that this man is this way? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever thought about maybe a a disability that you've had or maybe something bad in your life and you you say, well, whose fault is this, God? Did something happen or someone do something? See, people in that time, they, they thought because of his disability that there was something wrong or something going on in his life, a sin or something. But Jesus tells us this something different here. This is how Jesus responds And this is what tells us that Jesus does not make mistakes. Jesus says, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did you catch that? It says, It was not that this man or his parents did something wrong. It was that I wanted to be revealed through this man. See, Jesus is showing us that we should have compassion towards those that have abilities and disabilities. 
See, Jesus is showing love for this man that was an outcast. He was a beggar. And he's helping us to see that no matter what our abilities are or our disabilities, that God has created us specific. And what I mean by specific, that you and I are created in the image of God. See, God has given us his characteristics. It's not that, that God is this, I was going to say five foot seven, but you know I'm not five foot seven. <laughs> you know, Latino with no hair. That, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that I have shaped Floyd just right. In all his abilities, and all his disabilities, I have made you perfect and I have created you in my image. See, but what happens just like the disciples did here is that we lose sight of that because all we see is the brokenness. All we see is the, the sin potentially and the wrong that's in this person's life. But Jesus says no. He said there was nothing that he did to deserve this. It's simply because I want to use this disability to show people that I am the Christ, that I am the anointed one. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. See, this passage here speaks volumes. See, you and I are created the way we are because we are special to God. This morning, if you sit in these chairs, young and old, middle-aged, whoever you are, male, female, I want you to know that, that God created you just the way you are. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. And you are fearfully made. You have been shaped by the hand of God. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I want you to circle that, created in Christ Jesus. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, mark it, think about it. See, made to bear the image of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. See, he has made each and every one of us special. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are created in the anointed Holy Son of God. God in flesh. Isn't that cool? That should give us a little bit of chills inside. See, God created us. And he had it all in his mind beforehand. Before you and I were born, he had us on his thoughts. He was thinking about Floyd thousands of years ago. This blind man, he was thinking about thousands of years ago. You, he was thinking about thousands of years ago. And maybe even longer. I don't know. Remember, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Time for us isn't time for him. See, we can't ever look at someone and think to ourselves that they aren't special because 
All of God's creation is beautiful. And he has a plan for each and every single one of us. God makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 8. He says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Listen to this last part, verse 5. He says, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with your glory. See, that's how highly God thinks of you. That's how God looks at you. What is man? Who are we? Where is our identity? What do we find it in? Well, remember what it said in Ephesians. We are created in Jesus Christ. That is our identity. That is who we are. We are image bearers of the holy God that created all things. You are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has set you above and he has crowned you with his glory. I only have two words for that. Wow, what? Would you agree with that? Wow, what? Two words. What an amazing thing. See, the moment that, that you and I begin to understand how God has fashioned us, how he has shaped us, and how he has created us, in those moments that we start to begin to comprehend that, those are the moments that we'll move and we'll grow in our faith and understanding and believing in who truly Jesus Christ is as the anointed one, the Son of God, our Redeemer, our Savior. And as we begin to believe on Him, as we begin to understand our faith, we'll understand not only how important we are, but how important the guy sitting next to us is or the young lady or the teenager or the five-year-old that's back in class right now singing praises to God. See, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, and God wants to do something with us. I want you to know that God wants to do something with you this morning. One second thing here that we see in verses 3 and 4 is that God will use you and he wants to use you for his glory. Jesus responds like this. He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Again, it has nothing to do with his sin, but more about what I want to do. What I want to do. And he says that it's for the works of God that they might be displayed in and through him. And then in verse 4, underline this part. We, all of us, must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because night is coming when no one can work. You might be, you might be asking yourself, maybe you're not. Maybe one of the questions that's coming to mind is that, you know, how, you know, how, is God, can, how can God use a blind guy? You know, he's a beggar. He really can't get around by himself. He has no money. He has no anything. 
And we understand from the full story in chapter 9 that, that probably, speculating a little bit, that maybe even his parents have abandoned him. Because later in the story, the leaders of, of the church back then, they go to his parents and they say, who is this and why is he doing this and why is he proclaiming Jesus? And his parents pull back and say, hey, whoa, he's old enough. He can respond for himself. In essence, we don't have anything to do with him. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's kind of like me. You know, I really don't have much to offer God. I don't have really any abilities, but I have more disabilities and more weaknesses than God could ever use. Have you ever thought to yourself that those disabilities that you have or those weaknesses that you have or those pains and those sufferings, those hard moments of life, that they were there so God could use you? So God could touch other people's lives? You know, when my dad died, there were several people that were very close in our family, family members, that because of my dad's death, God used that to bring them to him. They gave their lives to Jesus Christ because of my dad's death. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? See, God will use you and he wants to use you. He's given you these cards. He's given you the hand that you hold right now because he wants to be revealed in and through you. He wants you to see that I am the Christ. I am Jesus and I have come to save this world. I have come so that people will turn from their sins and surrender their lives to me. And I want to use Floyd. I want to use Carlos and I want to use Jeff and I want to use Sheila and I want to use everybody else in this room. And I want to use their disabilities and their abilities to bring glory to my name. You know, God wants to use whatever pain that you've dealt with, whatever suffering that you've been through to glorify himself. I know, I mean, I, I want you to know from the, from the bottom of my heart, I, I know that, that we've all experienced hurt. I know that, that we all have experienced pain and suffering. We all have tough moments relationally, emotionally, you name it. It sits in this church, in this building. There's no question. The only question that we have to ask ourselves is, how are we going to respond in those moments? How are we going to allow God to not only work in us, to change us, and to help us move closer to Him, but how are we going to use those moments to glorify God? What are we going to do with the hand that He's given us? You know, a great example of someone that was dealt a pretty rough hand and, and many of you know this story, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, right? It's a pretty, pretty popular Sunday school. So if you've ever been in Sunday school, you probably know the story of Joseph. Joseph was the youngest of many brothers. He was favored by his father. He was looked upon as my boy by his dad. And because of this, his brother saw him as the joker, he was the joker in the deck. He was a useless card to them. He was in their way 
because the father, his father, their father, kind of gave him privilege above the other boys, saw him in a better light. So they were jealous. They didn't like that so much. So as any boy would do, what do they do? Hey, let's just get rid of our brother. <laughs> you know? So the brothers plan and plot to kill Joseph, right? They send him off to be in slavery. Well, Joseph lives his life. He grows up and God's hand is upon him. God is using those moments. He's ordaining moments to come, the days ahead of Joseph. You fast forward a few years and there is Joseph. God has elevated him. God has to a place of leadership. He's given him control over a country. And he's responsible to ensuring that food is, is given to other people. But then you look at his family, where they were at, and you see that there was famine in the area, that the brothers and the dad were all starving, and it was a rough moment for them. And so they come, and they seek this leader, this guy that they don't know is his brother, or their brother. And they ask him for food. I want you to think for a moment. Think about someone that's done something to hurt you. And I don't, I don't want you to hold on to that thought to make you more bitter and to stir up something in your heart. But I want you to hold on to that thought because I want you to hear how Joseph responds to his brothers. Should we look at the response of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50? It should be up on your screen. Verse 20. This is how he responds to his brothers. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people, many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, Joseph's response, I'll be honest with you, it's a, it's a response that I probably wouldn't have unless I had just read this <laughs> an hour before. You know? Joseph's response was saying, hey, you know what? These were the cards. This was the hand that God gave me. And even though you meant it for bad, God turned it into something good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, God wants to do the same thing in your life. No matter what you've been given, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through at this very moment, God wants to turn what the devil meant for bad and he wants to turn it into something good. And he wants it not just for you to be good, but so that others, see that, may be kept alive. And we're not talking about food. See, because Jesus, what does he do? He brings us life, right? He breathes into us life so that others may be kept alive. And God wants to do the same thing as you. And so whatever we do, no matter what we go, for, go through, we should follow what it says in Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, it all starts with you, how you respond. And there's no question there's going to be tough moments. 
There's no question that you and I have not been given all aces. You know, we don't have a full house. There's no question. But it all starts with you. And if you want to see clearly through the muck and the mire of the pain and the hurt and the loss and the struggle, then you have to come to Jesus. You have to come to Jesus. See, because he tells us in this same passage that he is the light of the world, that he's going to open up the dark places. In fact, even in these verses, he tells us here that, that we have to get to work because right now it's daylight. Right now we can see, we have opportunity, but there'll be a point down the road that we can't do the work that we were intended to. There's a time when he's going to come again. And sadly enough, we're not going to have the same opportunities that we have today. It'll be dark and the lost will be lost. I want you to listen to this quote. I actually just found it last night, so I have to pull it up on my phone. Good old Instagram, don't you love it? I love this quote. I just, it speaks volumes. It says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. This is coming from a a lady, Helen Keller, who was blind. I think the same thing applies to our spiritual lives, right? The only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. John 9.31 says, We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of a God and does his will, God listens to him. See, this statement here is very powerful because if we want God to open up our eyes, we have to live in God's will. We have to follow Jesus. We have to take that that narrow path that he has set before us, knowing that that's the greatest path that we could ever take. And it may be a hard path, And it may be a scary path, but Jesus will always be with us on that path. See, because God wants to use you and he wants to do something great in and through you. See, we have to worship our God and he listens to us. He hears our cries. See, the reality is that, that we've all been given cards. Some good ones, some bad ones. But the important question is, what will you do with them? How will you play the hand that God has given you? It's a hard question because it's not always so easy. You know, I, I, I want you to know that I'm not picking on my dad here. I'm just sharing with you some, some things that, that I've learned through God's word and, and one of the things with my dad is that my dad was never loved as a child. He didn't know how to show love. You know, he didn't know how to, how to cuddle me and say, boy, I love you. I care about you. Now, unfortunately, he didn't have people around him to show him and teach him how to do that. 
And because of that, not that it's an excuse, because of that, he gave me only thing that he knew how to give me. And that was discipline. Get to work. Earn money. Provide for your family. And those are all good cards. Those are all great things. My dad was a great example to me in so many ways. But because he didn't know how to love, I didn't know how to love. See, I only began to know love when I began to understand the love that Jesus has for me. See, that's when we truly understand what real love is. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is and what love does. It gives us a a picture of who God is in his love. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is love. So if we want to love, we have to be loved. If we want something from someone, we have to give something to someone. God tells us that we have faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. And there's no question love will make the difference. So when we do things, when we do it, whether it's in word or deed, whether we do it, we always do it in love. I want you to look at First Peter. We're almost done here. First Peter chapter 1. See, Peter is speaking of the hope that we have in Christ. He was showing us and helping us understand this love that God has for us. And we know the John 3, 16, right? But do we know this? It says it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. Verses 12 through 16. Sorry if I didn't say that. It should be up on the screen too. It says it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they had been announced to you through those who preach good news to you by the Holy Spirit. See, they weren't doing it for themselves. They were, they were doing it so that others may know the hope and the faith and the love of our Savior Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, he says, because of this, therefore, preparing your minds for action... And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, again, that word obedience, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You've you got to imagine in the story of this blind man, it takes up all of chapter 9. And I challenge you to read it later on this week if you haven't already read it. You've got to imagine after everything transpires, God reveals himself to him. Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he discovers the Savior of the world. He gets saved, right? He gets saved. He gives his life to Jesus. Could you imagine after all that has transpired in these moments, 
Could you imagine if this blind man went back to the same spot that he was in, sat back down, and just stuck his hand out and said, can you help me? Can you give me? Could you imagine if he did that? And I I ask you that question because sometimes that happens in our own personal faith journey. See, it says here, this is, don't go back to your former ignorance. See, the blind man was blind at one point, but now he sees. You and I, when, when God reveals himself to us, when we get saved, God opens our eyes. He opens his eye, our eyes to his word, to his son, to who he is. And I want to tell you, I want to ask you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning, don't go back to who you were. Do you see? Are your eyes opened? Don't go back to who you were. Don't go back to those things. I got to assume that this blind man didn't go back to begging. I got to assume that, that this blind man went on to probably share his faith with many and many probably came to faith because of what God did in him and through him. And I want to believe the same thing for you and I is that as we stay faithful to this journey, as we stay obedient to the God's calling in our lives, as we give our lives over to Jesus Christ and we continue to understand the things that he has for us, that God will use us for some great things. See, because I believe that God wants to use you. God wants to do great things. And because of that, we should prepare our minds for action. We should set our hope on Jesus Christ and we should live in obedience and trusting that Jesus will open our eyes and that he'll give us sign and he'll be the light on the path that he has set before us. I want to pray for us this morning. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I just want you to think about the hand that you've been dealt. And I know I asked you this question last week in a different context, but, but I, I want to ask you it again. I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to be used by God? Are, are you ready to, to understand that, that you have been made and created that you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Are you ready to allow God to have full control of your life? Well, right there where you sit, if you're ready, I, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. I, all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. Just raise your hand. And between you and God right now, I want you to just say, God, I am ready to be used by you. I see that, that you have created me in a way that is so unique and so special that even in my disabilities and my abilities, Father, that you want to use me. Father, thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for helping me to see. Father, I praise you and I give you glory and I worship you. Father, I thank you for every heart that's here, every person that you brought into this place. 
Father, I know that you have great plans in store for each and every one of us, young and old alike, male and female. Father, I just pray that that we would be obedient to those plans. Father, that we would allow your spirit to control us and guide us, to lead us, that we would walk in your spirit and our actions would would just speak so much louder than our words and our lives would be truly a reflection of who you are. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the miracles that you've done through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, we pray that you will continue to guide us and to lead us and help us to better understand all of the things that you have for us, Father, because we know those things are wonderful. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.